0: Welcome to the Black Mind Garden where we are remapping minds so you can create a life you design. If you are ready to be a fly on the wall for some deep and delicious conversation then you're in the right place. This podcast is all about planting new thought seeds and empowering our black minds to go deeper. Touching on topics that most people may not think to think about and we do this with everyday real people who are just trying to make a difference in the world. I am your host, Dr. Maisha Claiborne, master NLP and hypnosis practitioner and trainer, author, speaker, and coach, and the founder of the Black Mind Garden Community. I'm here to motivate, empower, and inspire you to be powerfully in the driver's seat of your mind and think outside the box so you can have the deepest experience of joy, success, freedom, and peace of mind in all areas of your life. Now, let's get to the good stuff, but before we do, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you can stay in the know every time we release another mind remapping meal for you. Okay, y'all, let's get meta. All right, welcome back to the Black Mind Garden where we are remapping minds, and creating lives we design. Now, hmm, you might be wondering, <laughs> this is the Black Mind Garden, and what is a white woman doing on the Black Mind Garden? Well, <laughs> you guys know, if you know anything about the work that I do, if you've been following me, I do. Um, not only do I, you know, train in neurolinguistic programming and hypnosis and rapid transformation, but I'm involved in Um, activism and conscious anti-racism work with this here, Dr. Jill Wiener, my partner. And um, I'm actually very excited to have her on because we're always having these really great conversations as, as partners who do this work together out in the world. We often have the depth of conversations in between ourselves as a white and a Black woman about Certain things like what we're going to talk about today, like allyship and what that, what does that really mean? And what are the what are the the spectrum of thought around that? So I, I just wanted to have that conversation on loudspeaker. And that because that's what we do at the Black Mind Guard. We put conversations that are usually behind closed doors on loudspeaker for the benefit of those out in the world who may not have the voice or have the opportunity to have these kind of conversations. So welcome. Dr. Jill Wiener. welcome, my partner, my sister in this work. How are you today?
1: I'm good. Thanks for having me. I'm uh, I'm honored to have yeah. a place on this podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, you know it's it's um, overdue, and I think that um, it could be very impactful to have this conversation. So uh, before we get started, I really would love for you to kind of let the audience know who you are and how you kind of got into this this work
1: uh it's it's funny that you you mentioned that because whenever I'm invited my I I have a, a podcast as well called conscious anti-racism which you know and whenever I'm yeah. inviting people on it who, who don't know me I'm like I'm aware I haven't earned your trust <laughs> if you'd like to have a conversation because I could just be any random white woman and maybe I still will always be some random white woman you know like mm. I don't but I don't, I don't, I don't deserve trust just for being me. Like I, you know, offer to have a conversation. So, so yeah, so I'm Jill. Um, I was a doctor for 10 years and, um, got really burnt out about 10 years ago, learned to meditate, ended up leaving my medical, this is like the shortest version ever, ended up leaving my medical practice to become a meditation teacher in that tradition. Along the way, learned some uh, tapping, which is also called the emotional freedom technique. And along the way also got called out for some of my blog posts being very privileged. And I was like coming from this like spiritual perspective and I'm a doctor and I know all the things. And it was a huge wake up call for me. And I ended up, you know, that was really started my journey. This was right after the 2016 election um, where I began in earnest really, really like taking a deep dive into privilege and whiteness and, and everything. And then um, at a retreat in early 2019 called the Allies in Action Retreat, uh, led by Paige Ingram and Leslie Mack, we had a little like uh, thesis project we were supposed to do and using our expertise and our spheres of influence. And as we were going through this workshop about the symptoms of white supremacy culture, an article written by Tima Okun, um, I was like, I can recognize all these, like, this is just, and how do we recognize them? Defensiveness, perfectionism, sense of urgency. Well, I was like, well, how do we recognize them? That's mindfulness. That's mind body stuff. That's what I do. And so that was the birth of conscious Mm -hmm. anti-racism. And its first incarnation, its pre-incarnation was me thinking I was going to do something. And then I put something together that was vastly incomplete. And then I met you and we paired our expertise and our lived experiences together and the full
0: breadth of the conscious anti-racism movement was born. That was definitely the nutshell version, <laughs> and I can say that because I know you very well. But yeah, thank you. I think it's a really it's a great background against which to have this conversation. And and you know, um, when we first met, uh, I I remember thinking to myself, you know, people, you know, white people say they're allies but what does that really mean? Like, is this is this a white savior thing? Is this a, you know, and, and, and it's an interesting thing because when I would watch movies, now this is a little bit like bigger picture, I would see these movies. And this is a particular movie I have in mind called Avatar. If you remember that movie, that digital CGI movie, it was a beautifully made movie. But one of the things that was glaring to me was that there's an indigenous, you know, sort of uh, tribe is, you know, indigenous tribe and there's this white guy who um, goes into the tribe and, and, and masks himself as one of them and then somehow saves the entire tribe and nobody else like people even my people were looking at me like what is wrong with you like why are you can't you just enjoy the movie but <laughs> I mean for seriously but I was like no this is what I see In all of the movies, why does a white person have to be coming in and always being the savior? So, of course, like that's the context from which, like, when we when I first saw, I was like, "Oh, is this like a white savior thing?" And then, like, having met you and really seeing the passion and how you actually created the course initially for white people to, like, you know, sort of up off their white tears kind of thing, I was like, "Oh, that's different," you know, and so. this whole concept of allyship is controversial because there are some people who believe well how can like what is what is this whole allyship thing what does it mean to white people what does it mean you know and what is the spectrum of it can white people really really be allies how what does it really look like to be an ally um so yeah i guess that's that's sort of where we're coming from
1: yeah absolutely and i think there's different, some people have objections to the word ally. They would rather hear accomplice or partner. Right. I've heard this uh, one woman, um, she's a lawyer, a black woman. And she sent me an article um, to post on my Facebook group. I'm forgetting her name. I'm so sorry. But it was, she's like, there's no such thing as an ally, because, like white people created this problem, it's their problem to solve it's not black people's problem to solve, and it was such a good article, and it was just kind of flipped the whole allyship thing like
0: mm-hmm.
1: not not we we should be helping, but like we created the problem. Why are we not the ones solving it? We as white people and so um, in her article, it was they. Um, and so th- that's an interesting concept as well. Um, and then I think also a lot of it's very performative, um, and people just doing it. And that's how I was too. And I was for sure in the white savior complex. In the past, I mean, I've done a couple medical missions to Haiti and to Africa. And, you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand. And I understand now and I learned some really hard lessons as I was doing that work. Um, but it's so ingrained in our culture to be that way, that it's really hard to step outside of it and, and see the bigger picture and, and then like not run away <laughs> and then keep staying engaged. I think that's the, the thing is, is staying engaged when it hurts, you know, when yeah. you're, when you're the one having to now be the one to make sacrifices and the one yeah. to um, let go, stop protecting things and, and let go of what feels very sacred.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's an interesting thing you use the word partner, because allyship, linguistically speaking, it occurs like someone like, yeah, I'm for it, but maybe not like on the court, right? Ally, you can be an ally and be in the stands like cheering like, yay, go Black people, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I'm for it, Black Lives Matter, right? (laughs) Hey, posting on the Facebook, you know, like that, you can be an, that, like, you could call yourself, right, an ally. And so allyship sometimes occurs like that. It, it occurs like the corporations that put their statement on, we believe in Black Lives Matter, but what are they doing as partners? And so I love the word partnership because partnership implies that, you know, we're in there doing the work together. Like you and I are partners in Conscious Anti-Racism and we go in together and do this work together and and have equal stakes right in in um when i say stakes i mean like we're both invested at a for a particular reason and so um i wonder you know if there can be a shift in the language because i think that allyship really is more passive than it is active
1: yeah absolutely and I think that's part of the problem is that it's like inertia and there's fear and there's conditioning. And when there's indoctrination in any way, I mean, I, we have, as you know, indoctrination with our medical training, that's like deep, you know, it's mm-hmm. super, super deep, not just Rachel, not just racial, but, but all kinds of indoctrination okay. about, mm-hmm. about what's good and what isn't good medicine. And, you know, all, all sorts of stuff. How do you recognize that that's happened Mm -hmm. and, 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 and bust through it, you know, like tear it down and then, and then see what's left and go from there. And I think there has to be a willingness to do that. And then when it gets, especially when
0: it gets really hard, you know? Yeah. And I think from both sides, that's why partnership is, I think a more, even more powerful word, um, because, you know, there is from our side, there's, you know, what you said earlier, white people create this problem, it's their responsibility to solve it. And there's some from, from, you know, our side that's like, well, yeah, this is not our responsibility to teach white people how not to be racist. However, as you know, I'm of the mind that if things are so unconsciously ingrained that at the unconscious level, white people don't know what they're, what they're saying or doing like there's some now that's not to say they, they don't always know because we all know <laughs> that that ain't true but you know like the you know white people who are really trying to learn who are really trying to grow but still have this conditioning so they'll say things like we had an incident where we had to correct an article you know mm-hmm. because there was some there was this sort of the way something was written that was unbalanced And we were able to gently do that and it be accepted and and, and changed and, you know, it was great. So there needs to be some partnership from our side to to be like, yeah, see, that's it. Because if it's a blind spot, then you're never going to see it. Right. Just like in our personal lives, we all have blind spots that keep us stuck in a certain way. And so white people got blind spots. yes. It was racism, which is, (laughs) what? I just called out a blind spot on a a doc yesterday who was wanting to, this is a very interesting thing, who was um, inviting me to collaborate with him on a uh, burnout uh, initiative with a corporation who then he revealed said that they didn't want to hire him because he was too white, he lacked diversity. So then he's like, you know, first of all, you're the first person. Oh, you're the first person I thought of. I know you're doing this conscious anti-racism work. You know, I want you to come in and maybe we do a diversity module. And I was like, first of all, you know, when you uh, w- what you just said sounded like you were trying to make me your token black girl. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know it's called tokenism right and so you know he 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 defended himself on that one and so I know that's probably not your intention but that's what you did and then I said just because they you know they said you and I'm not even a part of his organization I said well what why is it that you didn't go to the rest of your crew which you have diversity instead of coming to the black girl to you know like so yeah it's, it's our responsibility as Black people, when things like this happen, especially when they're happening to us to be able to be courageous enough to call it out, you know, and, and, I, and I told her, I was like, look, I know it may have not been in your attention. I'm just calling it how I see it, you know, and I'm going to give it to you straight. And we had that kind of relationship, you know, because when you hear um, a white man said, and they didn't want me because I'm too white. I'm just too white. They said, I'm just too white and he's whining about it, that, you know, it sort of takes everything in me to, to be like, will you, will you stop that? <laughs> right. right. So we have to, as people of color, as black people and people of color, be willing to like listen for and be like, yeah, no, that, that thing right there, check that. And then, you know, go learn about it, go do some work on that, you know? And here's, here's our card. Contestant to racism, if you want your whole
1: organization to do some work on that. Right, right. Can I can I add one little caveat to that? Please. That I'm sure you obviously are aware of, but I want to just make sure I'm called naming this is like it's not always safe for black people to do that. Yeah. So in, in a in a space where it's safe
0: to oh absolutely. To
1: and I just absolutely. I, I know you know that, but I also just want to call, you know, name that because yeah, that's important and it's not always safe.
0: Yeah. In, yeah. In, absolutely.
1: Yeah like the relationship you have with this man is not always,
0: uh, not always the case. This is very true. And sometimes, so, so it has to be set, you want it to, it needs to be safe. And sometimes um, you have to, and this is the conversation we have in our community. What are you willing to stand for to, to, to um, risk in a, in a sense yeah. um, in order to make the shift. And of course, if you're you know if your job in question and you have kids to feed and you know there, it's an understandable way you have to be mindful. And at the same time we look at, well, what happens if we don't speak up and then this continues to happen to generation after generation after generation right? Because the more we allow it to happen, the more it gets reinforced that they can get away, you know, get, get away with it, right? Yeah. And it'll continue to happen. Um, and so it's just like the doc, what's the doc's name? Oh, 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 who, where the uh, congressman got fired. The sister's name, Latino sister's doc's name. Oh my gosh, I can't remember. A doctor? Yes, yeah, she was on a Zoom call and um, I don't know I'm going to, yes, I'm going to have to look it up and then get back, get, get back with what we on that one. But yeah, so it, 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 we have to be able to be courageous enough to speak up at times when it may not be comfortable or may not feel safe in order to um, make the bigger difference.
1: Yes. I mean, yes, it's, that's, that's, <laughs> I I don't think I would ever say those words out loud. I don't think I have a place to say those things out loud. And I think you absolutely have a place to say those things out loud. You know what I mean? Like if I said that, that would be very much short-sighted and ignoring lived experiences of people who don't live like me, but you have a different lived experience. So I just, I, 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 li- I like to name that also.
0: Of course, of course. So now, so so, you know, as we talk about um, allyship versus partnership, you know, what is that? What does the true partnership look like? What does that true partnership look like? We really start to look at, okay, we're shifting. We're shifting our context of allyship from allyship to partnership. I think we just named the show. Um, from allyship to partnership. What does that really look like? Uh, ah.
1: I think it's probably about impact rather than intent, first mm-hmm. off. So, how do my behaviors land mm-hmm. uh, versus what do I? How do I want them to look mm-hmm. or feel? Um, I think it it takes re- going really, really, really deep, and 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 scraping out every last bit and then finding more and then finding more of resistance and of um what like figuring out what we're protecting we as white people mm-hmm. we in we in any position of power so it could be a, a black man talking to a black woman or a or a black woman talking to a, a black trans person or a, you know like it could be in, in any position of power like what am i holding on to but primarily like as as the white, able-bodied, educated woman that I am, what am I, what am I clinging to? What, what makes it hurt? When am I like, Ooh, that's too far for me. I can't let go of that. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to fill in the blank, being willing to let go of that in order to step up yeah, to be a partner. I think that's a big part of it. Like when the going gets tough, where are you?
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think on our side, what it looks like for us to be partnered with white people in this bigger fight of ending um, ending racism and inequality uh, is is similar like what are we willing to let go of because we have already let go of so much like what are we willing to step into and be committed to um, in order to and and courageously be vulnerable because I think it takes a level of vulnerability to step in this work with uh, with white people right it's not it's it's about the it's about, you know, standing for us, but that if we're actually allowing for partnership, because it really is an allowance, right? There's a level of trust that has to happen that, as you said at the beginning of the show, is not a given, right? It's earned over time. Even, and I can even say this about our partnership, you know, we first started and, you know, it was like, okay, let's, let's you know, forming the whole, company together and we're getting married and I was kind of like wait wait whoa <laughs> right <laughs> and that's how it is you know there's a level of vulnerability that comes with that kind of partnership allowing um, the vulnerability of that in when we've done that before and then and then it's been it's been used against us in some kind of way or we or the rug's been pulled out from under us so then in order for us to allow for partnership there has a to be a level of willingness to be vulnerable.
1: Yeah. And,
0: um, and it's much more challenging than one might think. And I think that both, um, there's levels of stepping into this work. It doesn't always have to be how we've stepped into it, which is basically the deep end. Yeah. And I think that it's important for white people and Black people to understand that, right? Uh, because it's easy for a Black person who to think, well, maybe I'm not doing enough or maybe, you know, I'm not, you know like the not enoughness comes out. Yeah, And I want that to be a squashed conversation, right? Um, you step into this level of work at the, at the, at the comfort at which you, you can stand at any given time, right? That's what I say. Um, and and I personally now I'm the, sometimes I'm not you know I say the things that people don't agree with I personally feel like with white people who uh, choose to be partners sometimes you have to step in where you are you you step you start where you are and then you keep moving forward from there that's just from my perspective what about what do you think about that
1: yeah for sure I mean I think there it can be uh, what's that model that like consciously Unconsciously unconscious, unconsciously conscious, all of those things. Mm-hmm. If you get a white person in there who has no idea what they don't know, right. and they just jump into the deep end, and then they're just saying all the things, and I've done that, I've been for sure guilty of that in different points. That can be really dangerous, and that just perpetuates the problem. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for white folks who are like, like a lot of people, are like, what should I do? What should I be saying on social media? I'm like, nothing. If you don't know what you need to say, then read and, and listen mm-hmm. and stop talking and, and, and step back and listen and hear and understand and be quiet, which is not something that I do easily. And it's not something that a lot of people do easily. Okay. Um, so I think that w- there has to be a level of, of education that is self, um, what's the word when you like motivate yourself to learn?
0: Self-efficacy?
1: Um, I think it's
0: I like, is it? Okay. Cause I was going to say self-moving.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, like, like, like learning. Cause you want to learn, not because someone told you to read something or cause you think you, I mean, and, and it, it sometimes starts as I think I should, I'm supposed to read this book cause that's what people said, but at some point it should become something that you want to understand about. And, um, and I do think for white people that we absolutely have to push past discomfort, and I, I, that's the that's the basis kind of of what you and I do. Um, I think there's just there's different standards for engaging here for for people of different ethnic racial backgrounds. Mm-hmm. White people have we've been using comfort as an excuse for too long, and so we have to push past comfort. Like, as a rule, like, that's almost my guiding light is if it's not making me uncomfortable, I'm not doing enough. And then, and then giving white people the tools to do that, which is what we do. Um, cause white people haven't had to build resilience around race because we okay. just haven't. And that, that makes us like sad and weak. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, I'm nothing but, you know, I am white. I'm not trashing all white people. It's, it's, it's the system that makes that happen. Yeah. But we have to learn these tools and these skills and not just expect to have them and not expect our black friends, colleagues, partners, et cetera, to to provide them for us and or Mm -hmm. to have the patience for us or to have to tolerate that. So Mm -hmm. white people need to do their own work, develop that resilience, develop those tools to get into that discomfort
0: so that we can do this work and i think and that's so great because one of the things that's meaningful that i say for myself is meaningful to me is when i see a white person like authentically doing the work and trying and giving up their social capital and calling out other people like that is what makes that's the that's what earns trust right it's not it's it's you know of course direct interaction with me but it's what i it's what i see you doing out in the world and that's you know like for um you and i how that that trust has been built over time so I think that's what becomes meaningful to black people that has us be willing and sometimes you know like I said we're not always going to be willing and we don't need to be um but but when we are it's from the space of okay this dude is this this dude or this this woman is really trying like really trying let me just Let me just help out a little bit, right? (laughs) But I think one of the really important things for us to do as, as, as Black people and people of color is to heal our traumas as well, is to be willing to look at how this has impacted us, how we have even internalized some of this culture. That in itself can be traumatic. And when we can look at that and forgive ourselves for having internalized um, some of this culture or a lot of this culture, and then heal that, that the impact of that, heal that trauma and and um, sort of recontextualize the learnings from that, then it gives us even more power, like groundedness to be able to say, nah, this is defensiveness, oh, white supremacy culture symptom, <laughs> you know, to be able to identify it whether it's with a, in us at the moment in a reaction or whether it's someone you're speaking to like, oh, this is not about me. This is that white supremacy culture and disconnect it from the internal, this is me. You know, they're reacting to me. No, they're, they're reacting this way because it's white supremacy culture. Now let me call it out. That healing our own traumas gives us access to that is what I feel. Yeah, I think that's really well said because
1: it affects everybody white supremacy culture like it you can't avoid it Mm -hmm. and it's all over the world it's not just in the U.S. and it's not just with white people and black people it's the culture of that that oppresses people uh, you know and the oppressed people become oppressors Mm
0: -hmm.
1: if not if they don't process that trauma and I'm not talking about black people in this setting uh, in this setting Um, so uh, specifically so yeah. Trauma is huge. That's that. I mean, I feel like that's the basis of all of it.
0: Of all of it. Is yeah, healing it's trauma. trauma. It's healing trauma. And it is the, it is the culture of oppression.
1: Yeah.
0: That we are, that we're actually ending. You know, I, this is one of those conversations that, you know, sometimes people in, in a podcast, you, they want like the conversation to have resolution, but this is not a conversation that leaves resolution. It's a conversation to be continually opened. Yeah. And I just want to make, you know, the the reason I want to have this conversation with you and then we may have future conversations, I think, just to continue to open the open the um, open the dialogue is that we can never heal if we don't start to talk about it between the cultures, between the races. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm just saying that more for the audience than anything else. It's not a conversation that's just going to be resolved. It's a conversation to continually have. And with that, I think that it's a it's an appropriate pause moment, you know, because I think that the question now becomes, for me, and you can, I'd love for you to leave like a final thought, but for me, it's like, the question is, when will we... Like, how will we heal ourselves to begin to heal this um, global wound, right? To be able to impact this global wound. Um, How do we truly create partnership? What's it going to take? It's something to um, muse. Yes. What about you? Final thoughts?
1: Um, I think I'd love to have a conversation about accountability. I think that's the, the like the, another big component of partnership. So like next time, um, uh, what accountability looks like, um, with, with oneself in a community across differences. Um, uh, I think that's hugely important as well. Um, yeah, you have to have that.
0: Yeah. And then the final thing I'll say too, just to kind of <laughs> I, I hear objections in my head. It's a systemic problem. Yes, it's a, it's a, it is a systemic problem. It is a globally systemic problem. But who's the system made up of? Hmm. People. Individual people. And if we can't do the work on an individual level, the systems will never change. And that is why we do the work we do with Conscious Anti Racism. That's why we have the book. That's why we have the course. That's why we train at the corporate level like top down and bottom up is because you we have to first start with the people and when we start with the people then we can begin to influence the systems so tell them where they can find our book and our course and all that good stuff (laughs)
1: <laughs> oh, that, that, those little things. Um, our book is on Amazon. Uh, just type in Conscious Anti Racism and you'll <clears throat> see a couple of sponsored ads and then a picture of a book with us um, looking lovely on the cover. Um, we have online courses that you can find at uh, consciousantiracism.com. And our um, course for healthcare is in the process of getting accredited for continuing medical education for doctors and nurses and many other allied health professionals. So sometimes to change a system, you have to work within the system. Mm -hmm. And uh, we do corporate trainings as well. And um, for healthcare and corporate, and you can find those on,
0: um, on the website as well, consciousantiracism.com. Awesome. So if you are uh, in an organization that, you know, needs this work, um, go to the people who are higher up, let them know that, you know, some people, uh, if you uh, come across white people who are like, what can I do? Send them to the website to get the book, to, to sign up for the course. And if you have questions, um, you can reach out to us directly through consciousantiracism.com. Um, if you have questions, you can reach out to me and I can direct, the, direct you in the, in, the, in the direction of how we can, how you can get this work for your company, for your colleagues, for your friends, for yourself, even if you should so choose. Uh, because, you know, sometimes you make the mistake of thinking, oh, Black people are not going to want to do this course. But guess what? They do. And that's actually, I mean, we could maybe talk about this another time, but yeah.
1: I think a lot of the Black folks who are at our trainings really get a lot. It's painful, you know, and, mm-hmm. and we, do, we can't mitigate that and support that. But there's a lot to learn for everybody because it talks yeah. about the culture.
0: The culture and yeah. and, and how um, it impacts us as well. Yeah, Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much for, you know, just for being a partner in this work. First of all, for being willing to have this conversation. I know it was uncomfortable (laughs) for me as well. (laughs) I don't care how much work, how much I do this work. And I tell people this all the time. The conversation still is a little uncomfortable, especially when you're not having it with another black person. (laughs) Um, So thank you for being willing to be vulnerable and on this conversation with me and um, all the information will be in the show notes. Y'all I want to say thank you to the audience. We know without the listeners, there is no podcast. And so go check out consciousantiracism.com and we will see you on the next episode. Namaste y'all. Thanks for spending time with us on this episode. We hope you enjoyed this one as much as we did. Remember to go ahead and hit that subscribe button so that you can be notified every time we release a new episode. Also, this is truly a movement for us, and I'm committed that this message reaches the masses. However, I am clear that it is you, our listeners, who help us to grow. So if you like this podcast, I would love and appreciate if you'd let us know. Leave a review on your favorite podcast platform and then share it with just three of your friends. We wanna expand our reach and bring transformation to all of our brothers and sisters out there who are still seeking more freedom, purpose, and peace of mind in their lives. And finally, if you want to learn more about how to join our community, it's simple. Go to www.mindremappingnation.com. And if you're interested in learning more about NLP and hypnosis and how you can learn and train with us, consider looking at our upcoming classes. You can read more about that at remapmymind.com or schedule directly if you want more deep work at remapmymind.today. As always, we love and appreciate you, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. Namaste.